What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. We're going to turn our attention to surveillance this morning. Uh, we are joined by Gabby DeValle, a freelance immigration reporter and a co-founder of Borderlines, a weekly newsletter about immigration policy. She has reported for Vice News, The Daily Beast, and other publications. Her latest piece for The Nation is called DHS Surveillance Increasingly Targets U.S. Citizens. Good morning, Gabby. Hi, good morning. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for coming on the show. I want to start, as you do in your article, with the story of Maddie Walker, which I think illustrates uh, the point of your piece quite well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, after the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe v. Wade, a lot of people angrily tweeted about their feelings about the situation. And, and Maddie Walker tweeted, um, which in a very, um, I'm not allowed to use profanity on air, am I? Because I was going to read the tweet, and then I realized I probably no. shouldn't. Okay, great. <laughs> Please do not. Um, okay. She, okay, tweeted um, something about burning down government buildings uh, with some profanity. Um, in the tweet, it was, you know, obviously hyperbolic. And then um, some DHS officers showed up to her door with a letter basically saying, do not threaten the government again. If you do so, we will arrest you. Um, and they had found her address and tracked her down and everything via just this one tweet. Now, Maddie's not like a, a public figure or a big time active. Like she's just your average citizen, correct? Yes. Yeah, just a That's regular a bit... person on, on Twitter. So what do you think most Americans believe about the lengths to which the federal government is keeping tabs versus what apparently the actuality is in these times? So I actually want to step back really quickly and say that I think actually sure. most Americans think about the Department of Homeland Security is not really involving them at all. You know, it's the department that has ICE in it, has Customs and Border Protection, Border Patrol, um, and also focuses on counterterrorism. So I think most people don't think about DHS as something that affects their daily lives. And if they do, they think about it in terms of like the TSA which is also in DHS, or maybe FEMA if they're really unlucky, which is also in DHS. Right. That's actually a good segue to my next question. You spend a little <laughs> bit of time in the article talking about uh, the creation of Department of Homeland Security and which communities have at least up to now been most impacted by its existence. Yeah, so the creation of, Homeland, of the Department of Homeland Security happened in response to the September 11th attacks. Before that, you know, Immigration was one thing. National security and counterterrorism was a different kind of thing. And then, like, disaster preparedness was a totally separate thing. And these three kind of missions were brought together under one umbrella um, under DHS. Um, and so that kind of married counterterrorism with immigration enforcement with national security um, and here, and that's how we got to where we are today. What normally presumed rights uh, of folks can DHS trample on? Those are my words, not yours. Uh, in the name of national security. Um, you know, it really depends on on where you are and how you're interacting with DHS. So, um, 
for example, like you have far more rights at like a TSA um, security line than you do if you are crossing the border at a port at a port of entry, which is when you're dealing with CBP, which is Customs and Border Protection. Um, as I mentioned in the article, CBP um, at these ports of entry has broad discretionary power. Um, I reported a story for The Verge last year in which a CBP officer told me um, that these ports of entry are basically Fourth Amendment free zones, which means that they can search you, they can detain you without a warrant. Um, they can do all kinds of things in these kinds of areas. And that's anybody. That's if you have U.S. citizenship, if you have a green card, if you have a visa. And then, you know, if you're undocumented or if you're just even a community that's under surveillance, they have all of these other powers. Um, the Patriot Act, which is no longer in effect, let um, the U.S. government indefinitely detain people if they had suspicions of terrorism or they, suspicions that they had uh, that they were involved in terrorism or plotting terrorism. Um, immigration detention, which is not quite surveillance, but related, um, you can pretty much be detained indefinitely until your your case is over. And, and you know, all of these things overlap. Like ICE uses so social media, um, all of these other things to track immigrants. Um, every time somebody is booked into a local jail, all of their information is forwarded into this database that ICE can access, um, which is part of how it chooses its targets. Um, so I know I'm talking a little bit about immigration, a little bit about surveillance, a little bit about U.S. citizens, and then also about people who are not. But I think the overall point is that the the surveillance tools that are first used out and tested on marginalized populations or more vulnerable groups are often expanded later to, to include everybody. And I think that is... Um, one of the lessons from what happened to Maddie Walker. Right. Uh, everybody. However, there, there's a little bit of a difference in where energies are ex, uh, expended to surveil folks, right? So so-called uh, leftists, uh, folks of my ilk, uh, are much more heavily watched than, let's say, that of white supremacist domestic terrorists, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, another example I use in the piece um, is some reporting from The Intercept, I believe, that um, Homeland Security knew about the threats to the Capitol and like days leading up to January 6th, but they kind of downplayed it. They were like, oh, these people are just, you know, like they're mad. They're letting their grievances out. They're not actually going to do anything. It's too ridiculous. Like they're not actually going to attack the Capitol. That's not feasible. And then they did. Um, and in the Weeks after the Dobbs draft decision was leaked, um, there was another Homeland Security memo that basically said that they were preparing from abortion-related violence from both the right and the left. Um, and they even said in the memo, you know, the right has, the anti-abortion right has in the past killed abortion doctors, firebombed clinics. But we're also really concerned about actions from the left. And then when it, after the decision came out, um, they went to people's houses with letters saying you have threatened the U.S. government, even though in that initial memo talking about the threats, they acknowledge that um, inflammatory language enough is not an actual threat and it's protected by the First Amendment. Gabby, I think a lot of folks, when they hear, you know, th this kind of stuff, just assume this is, you know, a Republican GOP fueled effort. Um, but this is really sort of a bipartisan thing, right? Democrats and Republicans alike supporting this kind of behavior. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think um, this is 
Oh God, I'm so sorry that this is the first example that comes to mind. Um, but like one of my weird memories from middle school is watching this episode of Family Guy, or maybe it was The Simpsons, where like somebody's running <laughs> for president and they just say 9/11, and every time they say 9/11, everyone cheers um, because they're like, "We can't let this happen again." Um, which is, you know, very crude, silly example. But if you frame anything as necessary for national security, then its opponents are people who don't care about national security, people who don't care about the the many threats to the homeland. And and Democrats want to, you know, they, they do care about those things. They do think about things in terms of like, this is a threat to the homeland. This is a threat to national security. We can't have illegal immigration. We have to secure the border. The argument is not about whether to do those things, but how to do those things, um, which leads me to another point, which is that Democrats in particular, especially after Trump, a lot of them have supported this quote unquote like smart wall, where instead of building a physical wall, um, they want, you know, drones, sensors, cameras, all of these things. And they say, you know, that not only is this cheaper than an actual structure, it's more effective. And it's more effective because of the surveillance capabilities of the, all of this technology. All right, Gabby, we've got to leave it there. I want to thank you for your reporting and for coming on the show. We've been speaking to Gabby DeValle, a freelance immigration reporter and a co-founder of Borderlines, a weekly newsletter about immigration policy. She has reported for Vice News, The Daily Beast, and other publications. Her latest piece for The Nation is called DHS Surveillance Increasingly Targets U.S. Citizens. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. 